Geekish Cast is a member of the Astro Panda Productions Network. Welcome back to Geekish Cast. I'm your host, Jeremy, and joining me today is Kathy Coleman, a.k.a. Holly Marshall from Land of the Lost and author of Run, Holly, Run. How are you doing today, Kathy? I'm great. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fair. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I do always appreciate it. And, um, oh, my I am, pleasure. I am hoping people are finding your book and, and enjoying reading it. So far, so good. I have had... Uh, Pretty much all good reviews. Uh, every once in a while, though, you get one stinker, and that's just because that's the way life is. But that's okay. Yeah, that's just. It's just usually happen. somebody that you know from like a hundred years ago that just wants to get their word out. You know. That one guy you forgot to pay five bucks back to in high school. Uh, <laughs> That sort of One thing. thing <laughs> um, so I did get a chance to read most of your most of your book, but. Um, you you have a writing style that is very frenetic and energetic, and I, I imagine quite a bit of your personality shows through in your writing. Do you feel that your writing matches your personality? Without a doubt. Yeah. It, it's the way that I talk. So you basically, when you're reading the book, it's like we're sitting down having a conversation. That's awesome. And it really it does feel like that way when you're reading your book. Um I did want to ask you a couple questions about when you when you got into show business and when you started on Land of the Lost. One thing that jumped okay. out at me was you did a it looked like a song and dance number with George Burns. Yes, I, I was with uh, a band called the Mike Curb Congregation and uh, did two national tours with them. And uh, the the performance with George Burns was at the Schubert Theater in Los Angeles. And uh, it was funny. I was 10 years old, and I had uh, George Burns on one side, Burt Bacharach on the other, and one down from Burt Bacharach was Helen Reddy, and it was the year when uh, I Am Woman came out. And I'm belting out at 10 years old, I Am Woman. You know, I barely was <laughs> developed, but yet I'm streaming out that, so it's kind of funny. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's like a stage full of showbiz royalty as well right there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I had worked, actually, prior to that, I had worked uh, at the Riviera in Las Vegas for a month with Burt Bacharach. We were his opening act. That's outstanding. Um, it was fun. Yeah, that was a, that that was a very be. fun time in my life. I loved to sing and dance, so that well, was that was a real joy. And and coming off, I mean, your childhood was kind of different. Um, one of the first things I noticed when I was reading one of the first two or three pages, you reference your mother and you call her mum, which for mm-hmm. those of us in America we may not catch, but any of us that have friends sure. from the UK or other Commonwealth countries, you go, oh, somebody here speaks uh, Queen's English. So your mother, uh, Australian. That's it. Okay. And you have a rather large uh, group of brothers and sisters as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm the baby, and we uh, we have a, a, a litter of ten going. Uh, there's six of us still here, but, uh, yeah, big family, single mother with all those kids. Gosh, that's, um, that's yeah. a workload right there. Yes, it is. I have two. I don't know how she did it. 
<laughs> yeah, I know really, exactly. Really don't. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. We've got a five-year-old grandson now, and I don't know how anybody raises kids ever. <laughs> but um, so in your family, you were the only, if I remember correctly, you were the only one working in show business at all. Am I correct in that? Right. Right. <clears throat> the rest, uh, gosh, they have all different kinds of of lives and roads that they traveled. I have uh, two brothers that were military uh, Vietnam veterans, uh, one brother that's an Annapolis graduate, uh, two sisters that uh, got into uh, financing and, and things. So, yeah, everybody sort of had their own own uh, journeys, sure. way different than mine. Uh, do you I, it was a... Yeah, I was the kid, like I, I always explain to people when they say, why why were you put in show business? I, Amongst my siblings and, and anybody else that has siblings, I was the one that if you're sitting around the TV watching it, I couldn't just sit there and watch it and be quiet like the rest of them. I was dancing and, and, and you know, moving to the TV. So it's just, it's, it's your nature. Mm-hmm. So what was the um, the first opportunity you had to really pursue something? Do you remember it? Well, I do remember when I was little and we lived on the East Coast, uh, people used to say to my mother, because I was very talkative, and they'd say, you need to get that kid in show business. Well, uh, at five, we did move across the country and uh, moved close to Hollywood, and people started saying it again. Well, at the time, Hollywood was the place to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you can live anywhere, but, um, you know, if you wanted to be in the business, that's where you went. So uh, when they started saying it again to my mother, she took them up on it and got me an agent, and I started auditioning. And uh, the very first job I got was for Shakey's Pizza. And I was Goldilocks in the uh, first commercial I did. Oh, wow. That must have been adorable. Which was kind of funny because <laughs> I had been on probably a hundred interviews and they kept saying, she's not what we're looking for. We're looking for the kid next door. Well, my mother, for the life of her, could not get that through her head because she would send me in party dresses and looking like Shirley Temple. Well, they weren't. They wanted the kid with braids and freckles and, and it, it looked just like somebody's next door neighbor. Well, the reason I got that Goldilocks commercial is because I was perfect. I came in in the party dress. I had the curls, and I got that job. However, once I got that job, my mother did then take heed to what people were saying and straighten my hair and put me in the gray sweatshirt and blue jeans, and I started getting a lot of jobs after that. Okay. Um, Do you remember how it was you came to uh, Land of the Lost? Well, yeah, um, it was another audition, only um, I almost missed it because I auditioned for a role in another series, but it was just for one episode. I wound up not getting that. It, it The last final callback out of, you know, I don't know how many girls tried out for it, probably 100 or so. Mm-hmm. It was just Christy McNichol and myself, and she wound up getting it. But it was one episode that would have, I think we went on the audition on maybe Monday, got the call back on a Wednesday, and the shoot was on Thursday. Well, 
I didn't get it, so I didn't go to the shoot on Thursday. But the interview for Land of the Lost was on Thursday. So had I got that part, I'd have been working and not been able to interview for Land of the Lost. So better, better than it didn't happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So seven callbacks later on Land of the Lost, and uh, I was Holly. <laughs> there you go. Um Yeah. Was that a generally, I mean, from, from reading your impressions of it, I, I take it the answer is yes, but I got to ask it. Was that a generally positive uh, experience for you acting on that show? Oh, without a doubt. I had the time of my life. I mean, I, I was a little kid and, and we had, uh, you know, I said this yesterday to somebody, we, we actually worked with two sound stages that were just like jungle gyms. And when I said jungle gyms, they really were truly jungle gym. You know, we were, I was a kid and the, the kid who played Chaka, he's a year younger than me. And uh, we used to run around, you know, we weren't working and play and have the time of our lives. It was a blast. That's amazing. I was just, uh, we just had lunch with some friends maybe two or three weeks ago after you and I had scheduled this interview. And a friend of mine goes, Oh, you know, that's Clint Howard that played Chuck on that show. I'm like, there's no way Clint Howard would have been 20, I think, at that point. Yeah, it's, it's not him. It, it, his name is Phil Paley. Yeah. But he's not, he's not the first one to say that. Lots but, of people have said Clint Howard. Yeah. I, I just, it's, I had never, I had never put together how, how similar their faces were before somebody said it. Right. Ago. Right. Yeah. That's kind of wild. Um, I have to ask, when you were on the show, even though you see people getting in and out of costumes, were being around people in sleeve stack costumes, is that kind of creepy? No. No, and I and once again, people always say, God, those things scared the daylights out of me. Were you afraid of them? And uh, no, because they were uh, basically wetsuits. Mm-hmm. And so if you've ever, like, driven down the coast and seen, like, surfers putting their boards into their vehicles or whatever, they have their wetsuits pulled down to their hips. Yeah. That's how the flea stack on the set would mostly, that's how I mostly saw them. They'd have, like, a T-shirt on and the wetsuit pulled down. Because uh, on a set with those lights, it was hot as Haiti. Oh, yeah. I mean, these guys would, when they fully, you know, masked up and, and put the gloves on and the boots and the whole nine yards, they could only film. I don't think they ever film more than 60 seconds at a time. That's pretty that's short. That's how hot it was. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty fast. Um, but yeah. I imagine, you know, you're running the risk of losing five pounds every 10 minutes when you're wearing that outfit, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. These guys were all athletes. They were uh, basketball players. Oh, really? See, I, I was wondering if they might have been mimes because their acting is very physical. No, no, no. Basketball players. Okay. Um, UCLA, USC, and actually we had a couple of professionals. We had uh, Bill Lambeer from the Detroit Pistons was a sleep dad. Oh, wow. See, I, I either I didn't know that or I, it didn't ever register in my memory. Um you know what I did find kind of amazing about Land of the Lost? I remember obviously seeing it as a child. And mm-hmm. then years later, uh, I think it went into, well, I mean, it stayed in syndication for a hundred years. So, but I either caught it in my teen years, or my early twenties and realized that some of the writing was very 
deep, thoughtful, and mature. There's an episode where the marshals actually capture an earlier version of themselves in the time loop so they can escape. Right, right. And then right, when, it's a doppelganger. Mm-hmm. And I when, and when I saw three had to go, three had to leave, and three had to come in. Yeah. And it was the same. It was an episode called The Circle. Okay. And uh, yeah, and 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 when we when we come back in as ourselves again, it starts the whole thing over, all over again from the very beginning. The initial opening credits to the show mm-hmm. not our names or anything but that one scene where the you see the raft and we land and then grumpy's right there that whole cycle starts up again yeah exactly that's just arriving that is deeper writing than you normally expected from saturday morning children's television oh that writing holds up today yes absolutely um, we did- had our our writers by the way the reason why you you had that uh that feeling about the writing being sophisticated for the time was uh, our writers were the same writers as uh, the Star Trek. Show. Yeah, I was going to say I did notice that time when I watched it. David Gerald's name was in there. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was the creator. Yeah, and that's uncredited, also I believe, right? He doesn't really get on-screen credit as being a creator of the show. No, it just says written. Yeah, but he was he was the creator. Um, yeah, because usually people think it's in Marty Croft, and they were as well. They were, sure. all were co-creators, but um, yeah, like David Gerald actually is the one who came up with the whole flea stack idea. That's amazing. And, and then the Enoch character, the the talking Enoch, with the, he's like the brown one. Yes, uh, he was created by Walter Koenig. That I that I did not know. That's pretty pretty cool to know. I didn't know. There yeah, was... and if you see him at a Star Trek convention, he always shouts out that he should have gotten after Sid and Marty for more money. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, now, after Land of the Lost, did you? I mean, you didn't really work a whole lot. I mean, you did a couple other things at the same time, but you kind of put showbiz away at that point, didn't you? Well, uh, what happens generally, not to everybody, because there are some people in the industry, child actors, that, you know, even at 25, some of them could pass for 15 and 16. For myself personally, um, I was just your average looking kid of of average height, average size, and so when I was 15, when the show ended, uh, if I went on auditions, there were girls that were 18 in the auditioning office. And I, of course, they were going to get the job because they don't have to have teachers. They, they aren't limited on a time schedule. They, you know, it's just so much easier to hire an adult that an 18-year-old, you know, they can look 15. Oh, I never they can even, look 16. Yeah, I never really considered that before. That does kind of put... A child actor going after an age-appropriate role at a bit of a disadvantage. If you are like how I was, you know, if you were sort of like I just was a normal kid, normal size and stuff. Some of these kids, like, you know, Adam Rich, say, for instance, he was small, and he, he kept that really super youthful look. I mean, even at 20, he could have played 16 or, you know, or 15. 
Yeah, uh, no, and I understand because I've looked like I was forty from the time I was twenty-four until my early forties. So <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly how that goes. So you had the reversal of fortune. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. All bald jokes and whatnot aside, though. Um, so did, did you? I mean, what did you go on? What was your dreams and plans after that point in your life? Well, you know, I, I didn't really. Uh, I didn't really necessarily have any set dreams or, or anything. I, I just sort of got whisked up into a marriage and, and then I wound up moving out of the, out of the state and working on a farm for five years and raising my children. And, uh, that was, that was an exciting part of my life. I, uh, I married into the Bell family, which, were the founders of Bel Air, California, and uh, they owned a huge farm in Nevada. This is like a state-of-the-art farm. It's not just your... Oh, I, I know the type you're bringing chicken. up, yeah. Yeah, this is all automatic, and, you know, we were producing like 10,000 gallons of milk a day uh, and raising uh, 12,000 hogs a year, so... This was like a big operation. Yeah. Uh, I believe that was somewhere near Fallon, Nevada, was it not? It was just right there, smack dab in the middle of Fallon, Nevada. Yeah. My, my, my father-in-law and mother-in-law lived in Fallon, Nevada for many years. Um, wow. Of course, by the time they had done that, there were already like five stoplights and a Walmart, though. Right. It, Basically, it, that's what it was. when we. I was there in the 80s. Yeah. And see, this would have been the late 90s when they moved in there. Because um, there wasn't actually even a Walmart when we got there. I remember driving into town with uh, my father-in-law and seeing the population sign. It was 4,600. That's a pretty minuscule town. <laughs> yeah, very tiny. Yeah. And for those yeah. of us who are from California, we're used to bigger numbers than that. What city are we, we talking I, to? I am actually in Modesto, California. So oh, okay. Almost dead center of the state here. There were, I know Modesto. Yeah, so there were 30,000 people. Actually, you know what? There's a lot of, like, pig farms around where you are. Yes, there? there are. Yes, there are. A lot of dairy. Yeah, my what? husband at the time did his training in Tulare. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know. For yeah. artificial insemination, his training was uh, was in Tulare. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly where that's at. Yeah, there's still, I mean, there's less ag here now than there used to be. But when I was born, it was a town of about 30,000 people. But when I moved back here from Santa Cruz uh, 10 years ago, there was a quarter of a million. Mm -hmm. So it had, wow. it had grown quite a bit in that period of time. You know? mm. um, yeah. So. The brother and I on the show, Wesley Yor, Yeah. we just uh, about six months ago, him and I stayed in Santa Cruz in between shows. We had done a show in Sacramento, and then we drove down together, and we had a week to like fill in, you know, we didn't want to go home. So we, we spent a week on the road, just hotel and motel jumping. And, uh, we wound up in Santa Cruz and we got like the guy that owned the motel was like a huge land of lost fan. So he gave us the best room on the corner, all windows surrounding the upper floor and looking at the pier and the arcade area down there, you know. Now, is this the hotel that's out on the out on the beach near the boardwalk, or one of the ones back across the street? It was across the street from the volleyball courts. I know exactly the one you're talking about. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. We had a blast. We oh, had it's... so much fun. The whales were coming through. And... Yeah. Yeah. So I, I bring that up because uh, I just want the fans to know, because I'm asked this all the time, do you still, you know, hang out with the cast? Do you still see them? We are such a close family unit. We get together all the time and we do these conventions. Um, you and I had brought that up earlier mm-hmm. uh, about the conventions. And uh, we get together and we have a ball. That's we have so much fun. I'm actually very careful a lot of times when I ask people about their relationship to other cast members. Because I remember one. Well, <laughs> I know there there are some that aren't as fortunate as we. Yeah, no, I'm, we, I'm um, really impressed that you guys have that kind of relationship. That's outstanding. Yeah, we absolutely adore each other, and we're very much like a family in the sense, like, for instance, uh, my brother and I on the show. He is so much like my brother, and. <laughs> We compete like brother and sister. We love like a brother and sister. And he's so funny. Uh, he actually, on my book, uh, Run, Holly, Run, got mm-hmm. to get that plug in there. Uh, he, his blurb, which is the comments that they usually have on the back, his one actually made it to the front cover of the book. And uh, I told him, I said, you know what, Wesley? I go, your blurb's on the cover of my book. And he said, I'm, I'm well aware of that. It's above your name where it always is. (laughs) And he says, the next time, by the way, the next time you talk to your publisher, could you get her to, uh, you know, put that in a little bolder print for me? A little heavier (laughs) typeface, perhaps. (laughs) He's such a smart Alex. That's funny. Um, That's that's outstanding. I'm actually glad to hear that you guys get along like that. One of the first interviews I did with somebody who's from a show that I watched, and I asked them, uh, or I started to ask them about their relationship with somebody else. And then I found out it wasn't that good. And I was actually a little bit like heartbroken. I thought you guys were like best friends. Yeah, you know, I, I have to <laughs> be very careful now about that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, you know, I, I've heard that as well. But uh, we are blessed in that sense that we just adore each other. Any chance we get, you know, sometimes we've even done, you know, shows where we've had to practically pay to go just because we, we used it as an excuse to get together, you know. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, the ages you guys wore when you worked together, I, it must have been like growing up with another sibling, absolutely. Yeah, uh, even uh, Wesley, when I started the show, he was already an adult. Uh, Phil and I were still minors, but um, so he sort of, you know, he played with us a little bit, but he, you know, also could go off with the adults, you know, right. but, um, now that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you were 18, you could never date a 10 year old, but it, later in life, that age to those eight years are nothing, you right. know? Yeah. It's, it's how it, it's, you know, turned out for us. Like there's, it doesn't matter if there's a few years difference in us today. We're all just adults that love to hang out and play together. Yep. Yeah, after after thirty five, everything's pretty much the same. Right, yeah, right, absolutely. And we are a goofy bunch too. I mean, we really have fun. That's awesome. <laughs> um, one one thing I came across uh, when reading up on Land of the Lost in general this week, there was a reboot series or kind of a continuation of the series in nineteen ninety one. 
Mm-hmm. And apparently there was it some. It really wasn't a continuation. It was a. It was another show called Land of the Lost, but it, it really wasn't. It didn't have the writing. It didn't have any of the of the ingredients that made the original what gotcha. the original was. No. Well, Go ahead. I was going to say, but one of the things I came across was that originally they had an idea for Holly to be in there as some kind of jungle girl. Is that something you had heard, or did I read I something? I actually auditioned. I actually auditioned for um, that show. Okay. I read for it, and uh, the director told me, he "said you gave the best reading that I've heard so far," and I thought, "Well, you know, it's who I am. That's me." So. And I thought for sure it was in the bag. And then it turned out that they picked like a a brunette that was the jungle girl. And then in the film that they did, they picked a girl that wasn't even really Holly, but they named her Holly and she was British and she was making out with, with Marshall and, and Chaka was groping her. And I was like, Oh my God, these people keep distorting the story. <laughs> Yeah, I I wasn't a huge fan of the movie. What did what did you think about it in general? No, we had a camp. Wesley and I had cameos in it, and they cut them. And at first, you know, we're on the set, and then we heard, you know, like a couple weeks later that those had been cut, and we were bummed because we thought that it'd be nice for the fans to see us. You know, like you go back to a high school graduate sure. uh, reunion, and you kind of compare yourself to you know, what's, what's everybody else look like, you know, how much weight is everybody, whatever you do, I don't know. Um, but we thought it'd be nice for the fans to be able to see us and, uh, they cut us out, but in retrospect, we're really glad that they did because the movie was a bomb. <laughs> yeah. And then that would have yeah, been. I caught a lot of slack for that movie and I wasn't even in it. Yeah. Can you imagine if your picture stayed in? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a little clip of it on YouTube, the one scene that we did, but um, yeah, I I had a hard time the year after that got, that that was released, I had a hard time getting into shows because it just left such a bad taste in people's mouths, like, and they would look at me like, boy, we really didn't like the movie, well, I really didn't have anything to do with it, (laughs) I didn't opt to make it into a Booth, you know, that's something you do to different TV shows, like maybe a Brady Bunch one right. or something like that. But Land of the Lost wasn't about that. Yeah, that was um, that was definitely something they were doing in the 2000s there, where they took any 70s and 80s TV show and just made it a, a goofy runoff spoof of the original show, Starsky and Hutch, all right. of them. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this, as we're starting to run down here. When did you get the idea to write your uh, write your book, uh, Run Holly Run? Well, over the years, just I've had like a pretty wild ride in my life. Mm-hmm. I've had some some doozies of stories to tell, and I've heard it just kind of like in the same sense. You know, this all comes full circle. Like how I got even into this business. People saying to my mother, you know, you should get her into show business. I had people saying to me you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And I don't know how many hundreds of times I heard that. And finally, one day, my boyfriend said, you know what? I was working at some job. I forgot even what I was doing. This was like eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And he said, why don't you take the next year off and uh, 
just write your book. And I thought, you know what? I like the sounds of that. So I started and uh, here it is. Awesome. Well, so um, yeah. I, I did set up a tiny URL uh, forwarding account where people can check it out, but I'll get like all your info where to find it. But if people want to buy the book and help out the podcast, they can go to tinyurl.com slash GC run Holly run. That'll take you right to the Amazon page where Kathy Coleman's run Holly run is for sale. It won't cost anything extra, but the podcast gets a couple pennies from it and it helps us buy advertising and whatnot. But outside of that, uh, where can people find your book and stuff, Kathy? Well, you hit the nail on the head. I've found that most people are saying that it's, you know, the easiest for them to get it through Amazon. But Barnes & Noble, they can order it from any bookstore, even if it's there in a, a town as the population of Fallon. They can still go to their local bookstore and get it. And if it, you know, gives you a couple of pings for your podcast, why the heck not? Why not order it through you? Now, are you being carried in physical books? Do books still get carried in physical bookstores? I don't even know anymore. I've, I've done, like, book signings in, like, at Barnes & Noble, and they will carry it for the book signing. So, and also these, uh, these like, conventions that I'm going to be doing coming up this year, uh, my agent will let the publisher know to ship books to those shows so people will be able to get them in person as well. So oh, fantastic. And let me, let me tell I you, I don't just, have any of the dates guaranteed just yet. So I don't want to give anybody any false information, but as soon as I do, um, people know to get a hold of me through Facebook. I always post what I'm up to and, uh, you can send me a friend request if you're not one of my 5,000 friends or however many I have. I don't know anymore. I've lost track. All right. So if people want to find you on Facebook, they can just search you on there. And you do have a Twitter account. I believe it's at Coleman yes, underscore Kathy. Um, and you are going to be on con doing the convention tours this year, but you don't have dates yet. So I will also, as I find those, I will put those out on our Facebook page and our website as well. Okay, terrific. That way we can help, help get word out about your uh, about your convention dates. Anything else you want to tell us before we go? Just that I, I, I really hope people read the book. Um, it's, you know, you never make a fortune doing doing writing a book. So it's, it's really not about that. But it's about the message. And the message is that, you know what, people sometimes get the wrong idea of, of you know, having a, the life of a celebrity and that, we're that much different and, and that we don't have all the same challenges and things in life that everybody else faces. And uh, my book is about oneness and, and it is the point was to bring us more together and, and try to uh, create less separation. And so that's why I open my curtains and open my windows and let you into my life so that you can see that, you know, just like everybody else, I just happened to have a job on a TV show when I was a kid. And I've had some wild adventures in my life. And, you know, some of them good, some of them not so good. But I've been through the washing machine and I came out with a smile on my face. So I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, there's a lot worse cases you can be in, that is for certain. Absolutely. Geekish Cast is a Vias and Victor production and is part of the Astro Panda Productions Network. You can find us now on SoundCloud and on Blog Talk Radio. Our theme music is taken from the song Out to Get Mine by Reign of Zaius. Check them out at reignofzaius.net.